Our Father in heaven, we come before you humbled deeply by what we have seen today. The body, the blood, the picture we have seen that Jesus Christ gave his life and gave his death for us. Open our eyes, Lord, to celebrate this morning as we get into your word. The depths, the depths of, and the treasures that we find in your word. God, we ask you, without your spirit, we cannot comprehend the greatness of who you are. Oh, help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a story of a young lad who lived in a tribe in South America and who one day came to believe that he was dead. And his parents got quite concerned and they tried to convince him otherwise. They would say, look, look in the mirror. You can see that you're living, you're breathing, you're not dead. Well, it was to no avail and the parents decided, well, we'll bring him to the chief. They brought him to the chief of the tribe and the chief looked at him and he said, by my authority, I can tell that you are living. And the young man would not still believe, convinced that he was dead. Well, then the parents said, we've got to take this a step further. So they flew him to the United States and met with doctors here and in their fancy doctor's rooms. And the man, young man was enamored. And he met with the doctor and the doctor said, look, I am a doctor. I'm telling you, you are not dead. The man still wouldn't believe. So the wise old doctor had an idea. He said, I know what I'll do. So he took the young man, he brought him down to the hospital, the local hospital, and he took him to the, the room where they kept dead people, people that have died, unfortunately, in the hospital. And he took him there and he took him into the room where dead people were and he said, look, this, this is a dead person. And he watched. If I cut them, they will not bleed. They are dead. So he took one of the people and he cut them. And sure enough, there was no blood. And he said, so logically, when you cut a dead person, they do not bleed. Do you agree with me, young man? And the young man said, yes, I, I agree with you. And so the wise doctor took the young man's hand. And he said, may I? He said, yes. So he lovingly cut the young man's hand and the young man started to bleed. And his eyes opened wide. And he said, doctor, I get it now. And the doctor looked at him and smiled and he says, yes, son. He said, what do you get? And the young man says, you've come here to show me that dead men can bleed too. <laughs> you didn't even laugh. I don't normally start the sermon with a joke, but the, the, the premise behind that is, golly, you only take me too seriously sometimes, don't you? The premise is this. Sometimes, no matter what the evidence, people will believe what they want to believe. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we do. 
We cannot change the minds of certain people. If you have your Bible today, I want to invite you to open up to 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to get an earful of this one, I think, from folks this week. Don't ever start the sermon with a joke again. 1 John chapter 5. Now, while you're turning there, let me read to you from 1 John chapter 1, our verse of the year. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is what, church? Nobody. Oh, we don't have it up. That's why. That God is light. Somebody got it. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have koinonia with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have koinonia with one another, and the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Praise be to God. Let us walk with God together and with each other in koinonia together in 2022. 1 John chapter 5, beginning of verse 6, is a bit of a transition, and this is a passage of scripture that has has bewildered many a Bible reader. And I know many of you read the Bible with us every other year as we read through the Bible. And you read a passage like this, and you, as you're reading, sometimes you just go, I just don't understand what that's saying. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you have a, whatever type of Bible you have, digital or physical, is take a couple of notes today. In your margin, in your notes app, uh, in something. Because this is a passage that is difficult to get sometimes. And, and I know that I've made notes on this very passage myself to remind me each time I come back. This is the importance of what he's talking about. So this is one of those passages. You have permission to write in your Bible or write in your notes app. Because I think this will be very helpful to you. And there, there is a depth here that is it's a beautiful thing. That John has given us here. Let me read the entire passage, or actually the first few verses of the passage, uh, and then we'll break it down a bit. Are y'all with me? It's going to be tough today, so dial in. Dial in. Starting at verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is what? The truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And what do they do? They all agree. All right, this is a challenge. Uh, What does it mean that Jesus came by water? Does that mean he came on a boat? No. Uh, that would be back in Paul Revere by water, by, by land or by sea. I on the opposite shore will be, right? Uh, no, that's not what he's talking about. But Jesus came by water and by blood. What are we supposed to make of this? Not only that, but it seems that this water and this blood, they both have a voice. And their voice is agreeing with another voice. And what's that other voice? It's the Spirit. Now, if you haven't figured out after reading 1 John how, how much emphasis that John has put on God's Holy Spirit in us, now would be another time to recognize that. 
He has started this chapter speaking of the born againness or the spirit given life in us. Uh, John is very much uh, emphasizes even in the gospel of John how the spirit moves, how to worship God in spirit and in truth in John chapter 4. John chapter 3 talks about, which we'll read, the story of Nicodemus and being born again. Jesus is always talking about the Spirit. When you get to the upper room discourse, he says the Spirit of truth will be given to you. And that you will receive power when the Spirit uh, comes to you. And that's alluded to again in Acts chapter 1. But the Spirit such a vital part. And the Spirit also has a, what? A voice. And all of a sudden what we see here in verse 8 is that the spirit, the water, and the blood are all agreeing on something. What John is doing is he's given the water and the blood a voice in which to testify. In which to speak to you about something. The spirit is a living and active person of the Trinity. And we understand that. The Spirit is just as much God as the Father is or as Jesus is. He is active, moving, and He is who we see the most regularly. Every moment, every time we pray, every time we have uh, correct thoughts of God, it's the Spirit in us. He is the most intimate to us of any a person of the Holy Trinity. He is speaking. And the voice that John is giving to said water and said blood are going to unite to provide us a testimony. And we read this, and this is the testimony that God has given us. Eternal life, and the life is in His Son. And that's later on the passage. But there is a testimony that's being spoken to you. So here's what I advise you to do this morning. Listen. Listen to the testimony. Now, I could liken this to a court case. And most people don't like going to court, but they like watching it on TV or in movies. And one of my favorite books of yesteryear, and we, I enjoy watching the movie with my family, is To Kill a Mockingbird. And that great trial, Miss Kitty, you, you know it well, I'm sure. But that great trial that's there, and, and you're listening to the testimony. And the testimony is overwhelming, it seems, that Mr. Robinson, it was Mr. Robinson, right, was innocent. And that the father of the young lady was, was guilty. But it didn't matter the testimony. The jury chose not to listen to what they heard only to know their prejudices and what they saw. This morning, you have testimony before you. And it is the water, the blood, and the spirit. So if you are here this morning, if you're listening this morning, listen and hear the testimony. All right, what is this water then? What is this water? Well, to do that, let me make a premise before you. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to give you a premise that I hope will help us in wrapping all of this together. So here's my premise to you. The water speaks to Jesus' human or his physical life. That he lived 
right out in front of the world. The water is his physical life to fulfill the law for us. The blood speaks to his death. So water speaks to his life. Blood speaks to his death. And both testify, as does the Spirit, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So this is going to be my argument for you. Water signifies Jesus' life. Death signifies Jesus' death. And when you take those together and combine them with the testimony of the Spirit, they're all going to convince us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. All that makes sense? What is speaking is that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, and the Spirit is going to show us both of those things and go, don't you get it? He's the Son of God. So let's begin with, why does water then represent life? Why does water represent life? And I will, I will make the illustration from John chapter 3. Uh, if you are not aware, uh, Miss Jessica King is, can I say this? Very pregnant. Can I say that, Amy? Is it, that's not offensive, is it? She's very pregnant and is expected to give birth within the next week or so. And at one point, one of the first signs of that will be that her water may break. What we call it, where it is getting ready for, uh, for baby. And that water is what is called that amniotic fluid inside the womb of a mother that gives life to the child. And being born of the water, then, uh, it would make sense that there is a, uh, a water that, is, uh, that you see when that child is born. Because it's what that child has been in. It's the evidence of life coming to be. Now, with that said, with that water or amniotic fluid, the, the medical term for it, with that water there... And that in mind, listen to the story from John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus. Are y'all with me? All right. Born of water, being a born from a mother's womb. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered Nicodemus, truly, truly. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus draws the conversation to a mother's womb. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water... And the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is. With everyone who is born of the Spirit. So let me break that down just for a moment. When Nicodemus draws the, the attention back to a mother's womb, Jesus says you must be born of water and of the Spirit. 
And then clarifies in the next statement when he says, that which is born of what? I'm sorry, I am in verse 6. Don't want to lose you. Jesus says, that which is born of what? Flesh is flesh. Speaking of that water birth. And then he says, and that which is born of spirit is spirit, in which he's talking about being born of water and the spirit. There are two types of birth that are essential for entering the kingdom of heaven. A water birth, a physical birth, and a spiritual birth. Water is a natural birth. Spirit is a supernatural birth. Let me give you another passage why, why I believe John is speaking of the water here as a natural birth or a human life, physical human birth. Look in Luke chapter 11, verse 24. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, this is a demon. When Jesus is casting out demons, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through what? Waterless places. Seeking rest or seeking peace, shalom. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And Jesus really is pronouncing judgment, saying, look, when you cast out demons... They're just going into the spiritual realm, and then they're going to come back, and it's going to be worse. If they're not driven out the proper way. And his, his, the crux of his argument is, you better be spirit-filled by the Spirit of God, rather than by the demonic spirits. But regardless, look at how he describes when the Spirit of God leaves, or let me back that up. When the spirit of the demon leaves a host or a person he is affecting, he goes where? To waterless places. Now, I'm offering to you that he's talking about he is without a human physical life, waterborne life, and he is roaming, looking for another place to go. And then he goes back to that place where he goes. Let me give you one, a third example of this idea or this theme in Scripture. Y'all remember the Exodus in the Old Testament, where we have the nation of Israel is being uh, mistreated greatly by Egyptians and the taskmasters and Pharaoh himself. And then come these great acts of God, these signs that come that provide great trouble and pangs to Egypt as a nation. And then Egypt gets, uh, they, God calls them out, Moses leads them out of that country after the tenth plague, and they come and they get dead-ended somewhere. Where do they get dead-ended? Thank you. Who was that? Colby. The Red Sea, they get dead-ended, they're stopped, and they pray, and they say, Oh, God, what are we going to do? 
And the Lord sends his cloud of his glory to stop the army. And then what happens? You know, Colby, what happens to the Red Sea? It splits in half. And then the nation of Israel goes through, right through this water. And comes out on the other side as the birth of a new nation. Now, many commentators have read and I've read them over the years saying this is the birth of a nation. Through the water, through the canal as it were. That the birth of God's people now has been born to do God's work. It is the birth and the plagues acted as the birth pangs. That God was birthing his nation, and as you see through Scripture many times, he calls them his children, or the people of Israel are his children. So why does all this matter? Well, the water. The water. Jesus came as a physical human life to testify who he is. Now we see this also in the Scripture and even in our passion play. Rob came up to me and he said, you know, I don't want to speak in the passion play. Don't want to be a part. I'll, I'll, I'll sing in the choir. And I said, Rob, would you mind being a soldier? You're really mean looking. Would you mind being a soldier? And he said, all right, I'll shave my face in a mean way and look like a mean man. So he said, I'll be a soldier. And then he came to me one day and he said, I've given some thought to it. You know, I would really like to say, surely this man was the son of God. That has moved me every time I read it in the Bible. Surely this man was the son of God. And we see that in Mark chapter 15, where when you see Jesus and even the godless soldiers at the cross, Look at him and they say, surely this man was the son of God. When you see the disciples who lived with him for years, who watched him heal, who watched him love, who watched him work miracles. Surely this man is the son of God. The life of Jesus and everything that he did, even up to his death, provided Evidence to speak through the water, to speak through the life that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let me give you one more example of that in John chapter 20. Y'all remember Thomas, that's uh, Rick. Where are you, Rick? Rick back there said, Brother Keith, if anybody, I really relate to Thomas. I'd love to be Thomas. And so Rick is Thomas in our play. And Thomas was the one we remember him for doubting. Many people do. He was also very brave. Do not forget that. He was the one willing to die for Jesus when the other apostles turned away. But Thomas comes. He wasn't there when Jesus came and showed himself. He didn't believe it. And then Jesus came specifically back to Thomas himself. And he said in John 20 verse 27, Put your fingers here and see my hands. And put your hand in the place of my side. Do not believe, do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him. What did he answer him, church? 
It's not up there. He said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. He saw the work of Jesus. He saw him in the flesh. And and he believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is the thing. As a Christian, what we believe is not that God is, is just somebody making up something about somebody who never revealed himself to us. That Christianity is based on Jesus Christ came and lived And there is evidence and historical records that he came and he lived. And we have eyewitness accounts that Jesus lived a life that was perfect. That was glorious. That was moving. That was unexplainable. Jesus came In the water. He came in the flesh, if you will. And he showed us who he is. Why does it matter? Because we have one who came to be like us that he might die for us. Jesus came to die for humanity. He came to pay the price for fallen sinners like you and like me. And for all who would believe upon him as the son of God, all who would give their lives unto him and commit themselves in a covenant to him. They would have the right to become children of God. Have you committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you committed yourself? Just because you're in a garage does not make you a car. Just because you come to church does not make you a Christian. Have you committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ? He has proven it through his life, through the water. And he's proven it through his death, through the blood. Let's take a look at that. So if you're writing your notes, water equals human life. Human flesh, reference John chapter 3, Nicodemus. Reference Luke eleven twenty four. if you want to write that down, Luke eleven twenty four. The blood, his blood testifies that Jesus Christ died. And that his death testifies to the divinity of. Of Jesus Christ. Jesus was like no other human that walked the earth. He was the man who came and died and did what? And rose again. And this is where Christianity is absolutely different than every other major religion in this world is that our Savior came, we saw him, we touched him, we felt him. And Peter refers to this. That Jesus Christ died, they laid him on a in a tomb right there where Uncle Donald is in that tomb, and then Jesus rose up and appeared to 500 and then ascended unto heaven. His death testifies to the divinity. Look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Love this verse. What does his death do for us? Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's Jesus. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things. 
Jesus is a reconciler. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus came to reconcile those who would believe in him through the work of the cross and his blood on the cross. And I love the hymns you picked, Belinda. There you are. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And those plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. That is so rich. The blood of the cross testifies that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Let me read you another verse. Ephesians chapter 2. So you make a note. His blood testifies to the divinity. Colossians 1 verse 20. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. So here it is. Even those who were not part of God's family of Abraham, all those who were far off, the Gentiles specifically, can now be brought near to God through the blood of the cross. His blood. For he himself is our peace. He's made peace between God and man. Peace on earth. We sing it at Christmas time. On whom God's favor rests. Peace. Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. Look at Hebrews 9 11 through 15. Let me read this one too. But when Christ appeared as a high priest, verse 12, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, this is pertinent for us today, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. We talked about that in Romans 8. Those who are called. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgression committed under the first covenant. So, what can... Make peace. What can, that's peace is Colossians. What can draw us near to God is Ephesians. What is Hebrews? What can cleanse us from our sins? You've got three things that Jesus' blood is doing. Number one, making peace. Number two, drawing us near. Number three, cleansing us from our sins. This is Jesus in the blood. They are testifying to us. They are voicing vocalizing to us as witnesses in the case that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What can do those things? Nothing but the God-man, Jesus. I can change that tune a little bit, Belinda. What can give us peace with God? Nothing but the God-man, Jesus. What can draw us 
near to God, nothing but the God-man, Jesus. What can cleanse us of our sin? Nothing but the God-man, Jesus. And so, the water, the man, the blood, God, who has resurrected from the dead, the God-man, Jesus, testifies that in his work, by the work of the cross, by the work of his life, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But that's only two of the witnesses, isn't it? And who is the third? It's the Spirit. So hear me, please. The Spirit of God takes the life of Jesus that you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of his teachings, all of his miracles, everything he's done. The Spirit of God takes those and says, see, this is the Savior of the world. And then the Spirit comes, and as we read of his death and his blood that was shed and the resurrection story that we celebrate... And the Spirit says, look, see, this is the Son of God. And you have Son of Man, Son of God, Jesus Christ. And the Spirit draws us to that and convinces us of those truths. Let me give you one other passage to... To draw some of this together. It's in John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Starting in verse 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side. We have this in our passion play. One of the soldiers, Mr. Ronnie, is going to pierce his side. With a spear. And at once there came out what? Oh. Well, there we go again. Blood and water. Interesting. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. There we go. It's a testimony once again. Interesting. And he knows that he's telling the truth that you may believe. The water and the blood here again are a testimony that you might believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says they will look on him who they have pierced. Whom they have pierced. 1 John chapter 5, which we've looked at. The water is a witness to the life of Jesus. The blood is a witness to the death of Jesus. The divine Savior. In John 19, the water and the blood together show us the union of Jesus' humanity and Jesus' death on the cross right there for us. They witness together that Jesus Christ is the Son of God so that you may believe. Verse 35, right there at the very end. This morning, as we look at the water and the blood of Jesus Christ, um, 
My hope is that as people come for this passion play, whether they are born again before, become born again during, or are born again after, and this passion play presents to them. I am thankful that our church has decided it's important to present the life of Jesus Christ to this community. And that seeing the very things that Jesus did, whether it's teaching beside a house or, or judging those at the temple or caring for his disciples out in the garden or eating a meal with his disciples or standing before Pilate and proclaiming the truth or hanging writhing in pain on the cross or rising and speaking to Mary that Jesus Christ lived with historical accuracy we present these things and say it is a testimony that is loud and clear and for all those who would see it and who would receive The message of the cross of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ. My hope and my prayer has been since the beginning of this year. God, save souls by people seeing who Jesus is in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. Verse 7 of 1 John chapter 5 says this. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, Craig. There are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. The spirit, the water, and the blood all agree. The life, the death, and the spirit convincing us are those things that have made you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you have not come to a place in your life where you have committed yourself to Jesus as Lord, where you have not confessed your sin and cried out for mercy, if you've not come to that place in your life, I want to warn you as a loving friend and brother in Christ, there will be a day you stand before the throne of God And he judges you for your life. And apart from Christ, no good deed can allow you to satisfy God's holy standard. But I stand before you as a Christian saying that I don't have to satisfy that holy standard because Jesus Christ has and he's done it for me. But his payment does not apply to every single person on this planet. His payment applies to those who believe in His name and who are His children. Those who have confessed, Lord, I confess and repent of my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and I want to come into the spiritual kingdom, the waterless kingdom. And live in a world where I cannot see and feel but live in a world that I know is more real than the things I can see and feel. 
So if you are not a Christian this morning and would like to come and be part of the kingdom of God, the cost is very great for you. It is not just pray a prayer and be done. It is a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a new way of life of you affirming, I am now all in. I have jumped off the high diving board and I cannot get back. I am in the pool of God's grace now. I was in a place of danger, but now I'm in the the place I need to be. I invite you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ today and enter into the kingdom of God through his grace to be made new, to be washed of your sin by faith and to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian this morning, I encourage you to thank God, to rejoice that somebody shared with you the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and that the spirit of God testified unto you of the water and the blood and I think there's a, uh, an appropriate moment for us to go, thank you that these three agree. And Spirit, you have shown me the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father, we remember that sometimes no matter what people say, We will believe what we want to believe. And there are people in this world that no matter what the scripture says, they will believe what they want to believe. But God, we are so thankful that your spirit has convinced us that the life and the death of Jesus Christ are sufficient to save our souls. And we say together, praise God. Father, draw people into salvation Convert souls, transform lives, and Lord, allow us to seek your face with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.